DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blenderhead, Blender HD. If you want to follow me there on Twitter, and NFL is back. Din, 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 din. Can I play the the Monday Night Football music? Are we like we don't have the license for that? Din, 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 din. Din, 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 din. Din, din, din. It's NFL. NFL rules the uh, the daily fantasy space. It 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 is the largest contest. The most participation. I know MLB is still going on. I know MLB is still going on. If you're here for MLB, I'm sorry. We're pretty much transitioning all the way into NFL time, all the time, whatever you want for NFL. Week one, we got showdown slates, Mondays, Thursdays, obviously Sunday nights. Uh, I'll be on uh, Roto-Grinders on Monday and Thursday nights for for the showdown live shows. But here on the pregame show, uh, during NFL season, uh, once NBA starts coming back, we'll, we'll be creeping into some NBA. But for the most part, we'll, we'll be talking about general, you know, macro strategies, construction tools, the tools that we have here at, uh, at Roto-Grinders that you could, you could get. Some are free, some you have to pay for, some you have to get a Roto-Grinders premium subscription, which you can get $10 off your first month by clicking on the link below. So this, this pregame show is more built around how to think how to think like like a better DFS player, how to build better lineups, how to, how, to, how to think more holistically, not necessarily caring as much about, well, do I think this guy's going to have a good game, right? So you're not gonna, there's not going to be much player picks. We're going to be talking about projections. We're going to be talking about ownership. We're going to be talking about correlation. We're going to talk about, there's so many different types of contests on these sites, Yahoo, DraftKings, FanDuel, there's large field, small field, multi-entry. There's different formats. There's different everything. So, so this this is a strategy-based show. I know there may be there may be new people, new new people showing up. Right? They only come they come out of the woodwork during NFL. So, uh, so it's obviously uh, a lot of a lot of the concepts and themes of the show can be translated over to to any daily fantasy sport. Right? MLB, NBA, soccer, PGA. So, I mean, it's it's not just, a, oh, this is only useful for NFL, okay? So, I mean, you may, if you've been here for a while, you may be hearing the same concepts that we were talking about during MLB season or last year's NBA season or when we talk about MMA on casual Fridays or something like that. Uh, so, so I just want to, just might want to make it clear because people will going to show up and go, oh, do you like this guy or this guy, right? And that ain't this show, buddy. That ain't this show. And it's guided a lot throughout the course of the week by the YouTube chat. So I know that we have this on the podcast feed. So there I'm waving the people that can't see me, waving to the podcast people. We probably get a couple thousand that uh, download and listen later. Uh, you know, obviously some of the stuff that I show on the screen, you're not gonna be able to see. But uh, if, if you want if you want to kind of mold the show, just show up to the YouTube chat. Show up 11 o'clock in the morning Eastern. And uh, I, answer, I answer pretty much anything in, in the YouTube chat. I say hi to the people. Suki Singh got beaten out by Sterling Woods today as the first, first person here. Jerome Lewis, Bradley Saucier, Matt Mears, Eric Hillpole, Daniel Hutchings, Anthony Golding, Richard Ricardo, Ray, Cardfan, Bobby Gunn, Brian C, Major One-on-One, Clint Friday, uh, Jeff Balistrieri, Julio Cantu, right? Give me those thummy thumbs, right? You got to be here in order to give me the thummy thumbs, thumbs up. It helps us out so with the YouTube algorithm or something like that. Hit the subscribe button if you're new here. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live. We'll be going live a lot on YouTube during uh, NFL season. We got the, the first look podcast, the, the Food for Thought. That's with uh, with uh, Carlucci and uh, Will Priester. 
That's on the podcast, the Daily Fantasy Football podcast feed. And then uh, there's the Swole Cast, there's the Guild Cast, which is the review show on Mondays. There's uh, there's the Swole Cast, there's the OGs, there's the, the Pick Six, there's the PFF show, there's the, the ASA show that I that I do on Fridays. There's, there's, there's so much stuff on the podcast feed. So subscribe, not just that there's the DFS pregame show podcast feed, but there's also the Daily Fantasy Football podcast feed. So sign up and subscribe there on iTunes or where, wherever, you, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, but uh, but it, it's mostly, we're spending the whole week now talking NFL. So like, if I don't talk about something on a specific Tuesday, it doesn't mean, oh, you're never going to talk about it. We have all week, right? On Thursdays, we may be talking about showdown more, right? Because we have that, that opening Thursday showdown, Cowboys, Buccaneers. So that's probably, we'll talk more about that on, on Thursday. And on, on Mondays, we'll be primarily reviewing the past Sunday slate. Tuesdays, talking more like macro strategy, first look type of stuff, like generalized, like how, to, how, how should we overall think about this slate? Because we don't have the practice reports. You know, projections are up in the air. Ownership is, you know, not solidified yet. So kind of like, just like kind of broad-based view. And then as the week goes by, we get a little bit more detail, a little bit more detail, a little bit more detail, right? So, so like, how do you think about DFS? Now, a lot of times on Twitter, if you follow me on Twitter at BlenderHD, throughout the NFL season, I mean, I do it all the time in general, uh, but mostly during NFL season because they're the bigger audience. Uh, I, I throw out poll questions that try to get you thinking more in that, in that probabilistic mindset, more in that, that game theory-driven mindset. And yesterday, I, I put up a, a, a poll. I did two. Okay, I did two. Now, is, is this, is this going to help you like, like, oh, if I get the right answer, I win at DFS? No, but this is how you should be thinking about using multiple variables because DFS is a game, I, I call them levers, is a game of levers where there's no one lever that wins, right? There's no one lever. Oh, if you just pull on this lever, you will hear you print all the money. Here's all the money coming down, right? All over you, right? it's a game of multiple levels, multiple variables. And the variables could change depending on the contest you're in, the opponents that you're against, right? The size of the slate, the, the field size of the contest, the stakes level. I mean, like there's all these different variables to weigh in your head on what would be good strategies for lineup construction in those contests. So, no, so knowing how to gauge, well, if this is the instance, what variables are worth more, what variables are worth less, Right. Because the three levers of DFS, the three main levers of DFS are projection, right? Projection, correlation, and leverage, okay? In broad base, I use the term, it's not really leverage, it's ownership. It's, uh, it's uh, ex exploiting the field, right? Projection just means who is the most likely to do the best, right? The median level, who's the, on average, right? That's what we see in, in, in you know, the median projection, right? On average, for their salary, uh, what is their expectation? Their median expectation, and the more probable results, right? So that lever, if you push it all the way to the top, that's primarily for like double ups and cash games, right? You're just identifying like the most mispriced players that are underpriced for their expected production. Okay, so that's like projection point. Correlation is how do the players interact with one another. So that when one player does well, it's more likely another player does well. And the reverse. When one player does well, who's more likely to not do well in that scenario? Because for GPPs especially, you're looking to kind of parlay, well, if one thing does well, then this other thing does well, and now you get the benefit of both of their points. And then leverage is how do you take advantage of ownership? While lower-owned players' points are worth more relatively to you than higher own players because you share those points with more of the field. For 40%, if you have a 40% owned player, every point that is scored that you get, well, 40% of the field also gets, right? But if you have a 2% owned player, every point that they get, only 2% of the field gets and 98% of the field doesn't get, okay? So those are the three levers. So then how do you think about how, how do you make money in DFS? by utilizing those levers better than your opponents. So yesterday, I put out a poll. Of course, both these polls, uh, people, the majority got wrong, which always amazes me. 
especially if you're following me. I'm assuming more people that follow me are a little bit, a little bit more, you know, in tune with how to think about DFS. But I asked in which format, because there are primarily three formats on DraftKings. Classic, which is, you know, like the Sunday slate, 12, 13 game slate, quarterback, two running backs, three wide receivers, tight end, flex, BST, right? And, a, and salaries. And you could fit within the 50, 50K salary range. Then they have tiers, which I don't even know if they're contest stuff. Maybe they got rid of tiers. Who knows? Where they just gave, give you like, here's eight tiers or nine tiers. And it's like, here's the top tier. There's four choices. Here's the second tier. There are six choices. Here's the third tier. There are another six choices. Here's the fourth. And then you have to pick one of each, each tier. And then there's showdown, which is the one game slate where it's a lineup of, you know, six, six players. And uh, the one's a Patton multiplier from 1.5x, and you have to pay 1.5x the salary. And you can play any, any, all the positions are available to you. There's no positional requirements at all. So I asked, in which format does the highest mean projected lineup, okay? So the highest mean projected lineup would be the lineup that just jams, jams the projection. Doesn't care about correlation, doesn't care about leverage, just like, okay, what's, how do I fit in the most amount of median fantasy points? I don't care that this lineup is probably going to be extremely high owned, right? I don't care that the, that the players are, or if I'm stacking a quarterback with a wide receiver in, I don't care about any of that. Just give me the best, the highest median mean projected lineup. So I'd, in which format does the highest mean projected lineup typically have the higher expected value that's more, that's profit over the, you know, you play this laid out a million times. What's, what type of lineup is going to stand to win money? Expected value. So that's what, it, that's what EV would be. Comparatively, in the featured large field GPP for that format on DraftKings. So we're talking about, for the classic, it would be like the millimaker, right? For, for tiers, it would be whatever, whatever the large field tiers, the $5, 20K to first. Or something showdown would be. I mean, I think this Thursday is a milli to first, right? So, whatever that main large field contest is. Now, which, if you were to play the highest mean projected lineup, which is like the, the optimal lineup, the opto, as some people would call it, based on whatever projection set you're using, which would have the higher expected value? Which, if you played that lineup in that contest a million times, how profitable would it be to play? in comparison to the other formats. Am I saying that playing that type of lineup in that large field, top-heavy payout GPP is profitable play in the long-term? No, right? All The expected value of all three of these could be negative, but one's going to be higher than the other, right? Okay, so how do you think about this? Okay, a lot of people don't. I don't know. It seemed like people randomly selected whatever, right? They think in terms of, uh, well, the Millie Maker, the, how, there's no, I, I can't, I can't win. I can't, when they think in terms of win equity, expected value is not just your chances of winning first. It's your chances of just returning profit, right? Now, over the long run, I think in, in classic, playing the, the, the top medium projected lineup is, is, is negative. You, you, you're going to lose money over time, but you're not going to lose, you're going to lose it slowly, Right. What's the difference between classic tiers and showdown? This is the very core fundamental concept of game theory. Okay, very, very, very basic. And it applies to any game. Okay, and I talk about this in my course, theoryofdfs.com. You have to understand what game are you playing? And in general, the more decisions that, need, uh, that are required, that are needed to be made, the more skillful the game could be, right? Because you're giving your opponents, you're giving people more opportunity to make mistakes, okay? So if we're playing, uh, if we're playing a game where uh, you have to select one between, and DFS was a game of, you have to select one of five players and all five players were about evenly projected. Okay, so how many decisions do you have to make? One. And what's the ramifications of your decision? Not much. Right, it's not not much. Right? You go, hey, between these five players, and they're all about the same. Like that's there's more luck involved in that than skill. Okay, but now let's say you had to do that another time and another time and another time. The more decisions that you add, the more possibilities that there are 
the more likely that good players will make wiser decisions and bad players or worse players will make worse decisions. So if you were to play the highest mean projected lineup in classic and in tiers and in showdown, how many different lineup combinations are possible in these, in these contests? Well, in tiers is, is the lowest, right? Cause they, they tie in. It's like, here's eight slots and you could, you, you, you have to pick one of those guys in slot six, right? You, you can't mix and match. It's just like one of these six, one of these seven, whatever it is. So they're, and typically in those tiers, uh, they're in those tiers for a reason because they all are close, close to, you know, to each other. You're picking one of four quarterbacks, one of three or four top end running backs, right? He's like a, a McCaffrey, Cook, and Kamara. Which one? Or Derrick Henry or something like that. And then the third, the third tier is Adams, Diggs, right? All top end wide receivers, Tyree Kill. And it's like, yeah, one may be slightly higher projected than the other, but they're all pretty, they're pretty, they're wide receiver ones. So that's tiers. Showdown. It's only one game. There's only so many players that there are available. Uh, yeah, there are a lot of more combinations than tiers. But there's only so many players. There may only be 20, 24 projectable players that you could even play. Uh, yeah, it depends on who you put in captain, who you put together with one another. But there's still less combinations available. If I were to, if I were to go to tiers and randomly, I didn't know anything about football at all. And I just randomly select with one player from each tier. How, how much worse would my lineup be compared to, I go into the, the projections here for Gridiron IQ, and I just, whatever the highest projected lineup, tier, whoever's projected highest in each tier, give me that play. Even if it's only projected higher by a half a point. So what's the difference between me randomly selecting a tiers lineup and you putting in the highest projected line. Not that, not that different. Not that much different. Let's say I do that for showdown. I go, as long as you spend all 50K of your salary, put in whoever you want to captain, whoever you want, just randomly select your line, right? You don't worry about correlation. Don't worry about nothing. How many combinations of, of that and versus their projection? Now, obviously, if you're sticking in a guy that's $100 and not going to even see the field because they're on the practice squad or something, you put them in captain, probably you're dead, right? So there's more, there's more opportunity. There's more opportunity for someone to make a mistake, at least more so than tears. But still, if you spend it, as, as long as you're playing guys that are going to see the field, if you spend all 50K of your salary, the difference between that lineup and the, and the mean projected lineup the top projected lineup from, from whatever is not going to be that different. It's going to be, it's going to be wider than it would be for tiers, but it still wouldn't be all that wide. There's only so many, there's only so many players to choose from. Now let's go to classic. It's a 13 game slate. You have what? 10 roster spots. How many roster? I always, I always, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, nine roster spots on draft games. Right. And you have a flex spot. So that could be a, lead, a running back, a wide receiver, a tight end. You have all the DSTs, right? You have tons. I mean, like you could play, you could play three cheap wide receivers. You could see three expensive wide receivers. You could pay down a quarterback. You can pay up a quarterback. You could pay up and down a tight end. There's how many different combinations are there of lineups in NFL classic? Way, I mean, exponentially more than tiers and show. Exponentially more. The likely, I mean, it's so many more combinations that we, that on a, on a 13 game slate, we don't even almost, I don't even concern myself about duplication at all. Like, I don't even think about being duped, right? Showdown, you're always thinking about being duped. Tears, you're thinking about being duped. But classic, you're almost never thinking about being duped. It's, it's so unlikely. Uh, obviously, the highest mean projected lineup, that actually may be duped. Right, because people have similar projections. They it's very easy, much easier to identify inefficiently priced players. So people think it's like, well, I'm going to play the millie maker and I'm going to put in the, my cash lineup. Right, the highest projected median lineup. But because there's so many more ways for your opponents to deviate with such a lower projected lineup, this your mean projected lineup in a in a in a in the millie maker 
is probably higher expected value than it would be playing that same type of lineup in the tiers contest or in the showdown contest. Because your, your opponents can't even make that many mistakes in tiers. So the difference between your lineups are going to be marginal. And you're probably going to be duped more in tiers. Showdown, very similar. You're going to be duped even more so. And the differences between the projection of the lineups are not going to be that as dramatic. Classic, you make a mistake in classic. You, you know, you, there, there are players that are playing lineups in, in these large field contests that may be 40 to 50 points lower projected from a median perspective than you are. Now, they may make that up with correlation and leverage. They may make it up with that. But from a projection standpoint, like they ain't got you, they ain't, you know, they ain't got you, you touched at all. Now, it doesn't mean that you're going to be able to win first place or anything. But as far as cashing and getting a return, it's much more likely that if we played this out over a million times, that your profit, and I'm using that in quotes because it's probably still going to be negative. But your, your, your ROI is going to be higher in Classic than it would be in Showdown than it would be in Tears. But of course, people picked Tears thinking the opposite. Of, oh, no, I have the higher expected value. And that, no, no, yeah, you have the lowest expected value. Your, your, your projection value, the value of your projections is the lowest in Tears GPPs because it's hard not to have a lineup that is close in projection to that because they force you into those tiers. So someone can't make the mistake of, oh, I'm going to play, I'm going to play, I'm going to jam in C-Mac, Kamara and Cook and then play all garbage wide receivers. Well, you can't do that in tiers because you can only pick one of those three running backs because it's in tier two or whatever it is. Okay? But that's how you should be thinking of DFS as a game against other opponents. So what variables matter more then i'm just giving you a little word problem doesn't doesn't mean you actually do this but it's how you think about okay i'm in i'm in a large field contest how how much worse are my opponents how many decisions can they possibly make that i could exploit them on well it's going to be classic over showdown over tears so if you were if you were to just play a mean projected lineup you get a higher return in classic than you would the other four. But this is this is about this is game theory. This is about thinking about the game of DFS. That's what this show is all about. So then I, I went to a second question. I said, similarly, in which format does correlation? So that's one of the levers, factor in the most comparatively, so compared to the other formats, on the expected value in the lineup in the featured large field GPP. So we're still talking about either the Millie Maker or whatever the top tiers, 20K to first, GPP, the showdown, whatever it is. So that correlation lever, which if you would, the more you jam up the correlation lever, how much more expected value do you get out of your line? How much is, is the proportion of your return? Overall, if we played this out a million times, right? That, that's what we're doing with EV. Not just one time. We've played it over and over and over again, and we see what's the most profitable over and over again, over time, on average. What format would correlation matter the most, right? Where the difference between you correlating and not correlating shows the biggest gap in your return, okay? And I was shocked at the results of this. 290, it's not even over yet. I was shocked at the results because 91% of people got it wrong. 91% of people got it wrong. Amazing. Okay. People think of classic with, oh, you correlate, you play a quarterback with a wide receiver, right? You do running back DSD, right? You, or you double stack, right? Quarterback, wide receiver, wide receiver, a run back. They go, okay, that's, 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 how, that's how you win in classic. It's like, no, you win in classic, especially with a large field GPP more likely by just getting as many of the highest scoring guys in your lineup as possible. Now it's very hard to do that, but the correlation actually matters less. The larger the GPP is. That's why we talk about in small field GPPs, be more likely to, you know, overstack a game because 
you don't need to score the nuts in order to get most of the equity in that contest. On the Millie Maker, you need to you need to aim for the nuts. And there's going to be some $3,200 wide receiver that's 3% owned that puts up 30 points. That's going to be a one-off in the winning line, right? There's going to be some, there's going to be some outlier as a one-off that you're not going to be able to fit in if you're playing a three plus one, a three plus two, you know, you're double stacking a game, running it back, right? Now, yes, you get you get the correlation boost from that, but also you're limiting, you're limiting the, the extreme high-end ceiling. So you're improving your, you're improving by adding correlation. You're improving, you're increasing the variance of your lineup and you're improving your chances from going from a 55th percentile outcome to a 65th, to a 75th, to an 80th percentile outcome for your whole lineup. Now in the small field stuff, an 80th percentile outcome across the board, that may win you first place. In the Millie Maker, that may win you 132nd place, right? You still need more than that. You need to make, you need to either have the game go like completely off the wall, 45 to 42, or you, you need to, to get the extra ceiling. You, you'll, you'll take a little bit less correlation just so you can add in some, some one-off from another game, right? You're locking yourself out from a 95th percentile type of line that typically would win the Millie Maker, where most of the equity, these are large field GPPs. So that's where most of the equity in the contest is. So if you were to over-correlate, it would actually hurt you more in classic. But 55% of the, the, the respondents picked that. Correlation factors the least in classic in comparison to the other two formats. I'm not saying it doesn't factor in at all. Just saying in comparison to the other two formats. Now we go to showdown. Showdown, it's like, oh, people know about correlation and showdown. They go, okay, I'm going to play the wide receiver one. And since if he has a good game and he's the highest scoring captain, I'm going to play the quarterback with him, right? Hey, right. And then you're going to go, okay, well, if they're throwing the ball, maybe the running back on the other team, they, you know, they have the ball and they're running it more, right? And they, people are putting together lineups like that, right? There aren't that many choices. So even if you were to pick <coughs> six players randomly, Right. If you just took all the players, maybe we get rid of the players that the practice squad players you know, get rid of those guys. Right. You just go like on this, this, this Buccaneers uh, Cowboys showdown coming up on Thursday. We say, I'm going to put, here's the players I'm putting in a bucket. I'm putting in Brady. I'm putting in Godwin, putting in Evans, Fournette, uh, Jones, Gronkowski, Scotty Miller, uh, Antonio Brown. You're putting all those guys. In, right. And the kid that the picker and the defense, you put throw those in, and then you throw in the Dak Prescott and Zeke Elliott and CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup and, and Jarwin and Schultz and whoever, right? And then the kicker and the DST and throw throw that in. And I go spend at least you know 48k, right? And pick them randomly in six spots in your lineup with the captain multiplier. Most likely half your lineup is gonna be coral. Right, most like it's almost impossible for your lineup not to be correlated to some extent, right? There now in a specific game, there may actually be negative correlations, right? Two running backs or whatever from the same two guys that can't be on the field at the same time, type of thing. But it isn't as. But the the fact is, is that less people play that, right? So those lineups are less duplicated. So in showdown, with the heavy amount of duplication, and the fact that correlation just because you have to select six players and there it's only two teams that you could randomly have half your lineup be correlated no matter what, right? So how much does correlation factor into your the expected value of your line? Not as much, not as much at all. In fact, a lot of times the best, the highest expected value lineups are ones that are not correlated, right? Because it's less duplicated. So how much does correlation factor into your expected value? Not, not as much now, more so than classic, but not as much as people think. And then we get to tiers. Now, remember tiers is you, it's one of four players, then one of six players and one of eight players. And there, there's no salary cap, right? It's just pick one of the, pick one in these tiers. And they're in tiers for a reason because they all kind of project somewhere close to each other. That's, that's why they do that type of 
contest. So you have to select between the Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, and Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes, or whoever the top quarterbacks are. So I pick one of these four, right? And then pick one of these four wide receivers. Pick one of these four, pick one of these six. Usually by the bottom, there's 10, right? The tier eight is more like, like there's give you 10 choices or something. But usually top two is like get three or four or something. Okay. So now, like we said before in the previous example, uh, because it's tiers and there's limit, there's there's a limited amount of decisions. It's the least amount of decisions for you and your opponents. And the players in the tiers are projected very closely to one another. So if I were to randomly, just randomly select nine players, eight players, whatever, whatever it is, then they change the number of tiers sometimes week to week. Like my lineups aren't going to be much different from other people's lineups. Now, depending on the tiers, now you could have a projected lineup that has eight players, eight tiers. And you're, let's say you're playing in tier one, you're playing Patrick Mahomes. Tier two, you're playing Christian McCaffrey. In tier three, you're playing Devontae Adams. And in tier four, you're playing uh, Adam Thielen or something, or Justin Jefferson. And you go, okay, what's the projection of that line? Well, it's going to be very similar to any other lineup of any combination that you have. The only difference is, is correlation. The only difference. So if you take Patrick Mahomes in tier one, you do much better between, and then in tier three, you have a difference of, you could take Adams, you could take Diggs, or you could take Tyreek Hill. Well, Mahomes and Hill are worth way more to you than taking Mahomes and having a one extra point of projection or half a point of projection for Devontae Adams, right? If you take Dalvin Cook in tier two, well, taking Justin Jefferson in tier four, they're negatively correlated to one another. Their ceilings, at least, are negatively correlated. So it'd be detrimental for you because when you're playing GPPs, you're looking to score the, the most, right? So even though the lineups... No matter who you pick, the differences between those lineups are not the range of projection between the top lineup and the bottom lineup are not going to, is not going to be that wide, right? You're not going to, you're not going to get any much advantage by having better projections, right? Between the variance of the sport, like the, the top lineup and the bottom lineup, may only be a difference of eight points, a touchdown, one single touchdown in classic or showdown. The difference of projection could showdown it's a little bit wider, but in classic, you could have lineups that are 60 points lower projected. I mean, and still fit in the 50K salary, right? You think it still happens. In tiers, it doesn't. Now, then you go, okay, we'll have the leverage side. Well, yeah, leverage matters also. Leverage matters at all of them. But just specifically correlation, you get more benefit by correlating in tiers than you have in any other format because it's the only way that you could separate similarly projected lineups from one another. Well, I'm going to build a lineup that has like, it's going to be Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, and then if, whoever they're playing. And then you could run it, but you take a tier that you're running it back, right? We have a, we have a game uh, like, uh, well, I don't even know who's playing this. But let's say, let's take a look. Like if we had tiers like Minnesota, Cincinnati or something like that, you'd go like, I'm going to take Joe Burrow, I'm going to take T Higgins in tier six is probably in tier six. I'm going to take Joe Burrow in tier whatever, probably he's a second quarterback tier or something. Right. And then I'm going to take Dalvin cook in tier two and Justin Jefferson in tier three. I'm going to stack the game. Now your lineup is going to probably still have a very similar projection to other lineups, but the ceiling of your lineup is much higher because you're playing this. And also that the floor also you're now increasing the variance of your lineup. But if that game goes off, you're going to beat out all the all the other tiers teams that are just picking like one player, one player, one player. Okay. And that's the only way. In, in, in classic, you have the option of making so many different types of constructions. Well, I'm going to get the one off here, the one off there. Yeah. I mean, there's also so many more choices. In tiers, like, oh, I'm going to play Tyson, whatever, Williams. Or I'm going to play some weird guy. Like they're not, they're not even available to play. You can't even play them. Right. So you can't even get, you can't get, get away from that. So the limited amount of choices that there are and the fact that the lineups are closely projected to each other because they, they constrict you that much into the tiers with no salary cap. What's the only, what's, what's the way to increase variance in your lineup other, other than correlation? 
So that's why correlation would factor more compared to the formats in tiers for large field GPPs than in classic or showdown. So I hope you're getting like, I, I know going on this, this long explanation of these things. Like, oh, what is that? But what is that? People will be like, oh, what does that matter? What, how does that, how does that help me like this week? How does it, what, so, so I should play tiers and I should do, no. I'm trying to teach you how to think about playing DFS as a game strategically. Because then you'll, then you, once you start thinking like this, to some extent, you could then go to, okay, well, we're going to have a, a three-game Thanksgiving slate. You go, well, I'm playing a three-game Thanksgiving slate, but I'm playing a small field contest. Okay, so what type, what's more, what variables are more important there? Right, I'm I'm playing the afternoon slate, and it's and it's five games, and I'm playing uh, Sunday showdown, but I'm playing a small field versus a large field. I'm playing different different types of contests, different types of field sizes, different types of of you know player sets. Like oh well, on this showdown, we're it's the Vikings who have a very condensed offense. It's like well, that's a much different type of showdown than the Buccaneers. Brady tends to spread the ball around to like nine different receivers, the Colts or something like that we saw last year. Well, that matters. Now there's more players that can be selected, reasonably selected. So that also gives more combinations possible, which means depending on the contest you're in, which what is going to be more important? What variables are going to be more important to you? What levers are going to be more important to you? We know that in cash games, 50-50s, double-ups, Head dads, that that projection that projection lever is the thing the thing that matters the most. Correlation, leverage. <laughs> if anything, you're looking to kind of kind of tuck that lever even in the other direction, right? It's like when in doubt, it's like don't correlate. And when in doubt, actually play players that are higher owned so you don't get killed, right? You actually think in those terms since there's no you get no benefit from scoring more than than half the field in the contest. Coming in first in a double up doesn't get you anything more. Right, but in GPPs, depending on how steep that payout structure is, the more and more equity there is in getting as far up as possible. So these are the things that you should be thinking. These are the types of little, little, little problems, little conundrums, little things that I'll post on on Twitter that get you thinking about the game better, and this will help you build lineups better. Absolutely, it should help you build lineups better. It's also, it also, it's also it's a little self-serving for me. It'll help people from stop asking questions that you could probably solve yourself. Should I do this and this and this on this slate in this contest? It's like, well, you should be thinking more about this side, this lever versus that lever. And not thinking about, well, how about this guy versus that guy? Because none of that even matters. So let's go through the YouTube chat. I mean, it's NFL all the time. We have plenty of time to talk about NFL. It's Tuesday. I want to get people thinking better. Oh, uh, let's see. Josh Duck, what is the difference between the Blitz and NFL Premium Package? The Blitz is just uh, Derek Cardi's projection system. So if you want to use his projections, you, you pay for the Blitz. NFL Premium is you get everything for Roto Grinders NFL. All the premium shows, all the premium content, uh, all the, the Gridiron IQ projections and the ownership and everything like that. Nate Branshaw, do you think NFL week one is a good time to increase volume more than normal because of the dead money in contests? Uh, if you're a good player, yes. I typically play more early and less late because we see this in every sport, that the, the weakest players are, will end up losing more of their money over time. So it, it starts top here and then it kind of starts trailing off. So like, like I, I like the first the first month of of NFL season doesn't mean you're gonna win, but uh, th there's more there's more dead money in in contests. There's still there's dead money the whole way through. But there's there's more there's more bad players early than there are late in uh, on average. Oa says, should I play whoever I want for week one? Yes, obviously you play whoever you want. Uh, are we getting a stupid Saturday show this season? I love that show. Yes. That's my own personal stream. Okay, so on Saturdays, I used to do it last year, Saturdays at 10 p.m. at night. It's not going to be 10 p.m. at night anymore. It's going to be 1 p.m. in the afternoon. So that's, 
use that more for entertainment, not safe for work. Typically, it's me yelling at everyone. Uh, but uh, but I do talk strategy and stuff. I do answer questions. So if you subscribe to my my personal YouTube channel, or just uh, follow me on Twitter, you'll always see a link to it. So it'll be 1 p.m. on on Saturdays. I'm only doing that because I'm playing MMA now, and MMA is Saturday night. So I'm going to focus on MMA, right? I got to make the money there. Going through the YouTube chat. Eric Hillpole, divine large field, please. please. Uh, over 1K or under 1K? Well, I mean, I, I think they're... These, these, these uh, labels are, are... Don't think in terms of like... Oh, a lar- I consider large field to be 10,000 or more. So at 9,999, I'm going to play like it's a cash lineup. Like, no, it's don't, I'm saying large field. So people understand that it's for these really large contests, the large, that whatever the largest contest is that's available, like that, that's what it's for. Small field, I would consider to be under a thousand entries, right? But there's extra small field under a hundred, right? That there would be, there's a difference between playing against a hundred opponents than playing against 500 opponents, than playing against 1,000 opponents, than playing against 2,000 opponents, than playing against 5,000 opponents, than playing against 10,000, than playing against 20,000, than playing against 50,000. Like, how many labels can we have, right? An extra, extra, extra small field, an extra small field, a small mid-sized field, like uh, how many labels? I just like large field, small field, right? Whatever that means to you. Large field, I'm, I'm considering like, uh, contests like the slant, the $9 slant or above, right? Multi five figures worth of, when I say large field, it's a lot. When the, the closer you, the, you need closer to closer to the nuts. Small field, less and less. But some people, their small field is, well, 700 person contest or 1,200 person contest. It's still dramatically different than a 50,000 entry contest. But I'm not, I'm not necessarily talking when I say small field about a 10-man contest. That's like an extra, extra small field. But I mean, the concepts apply on a scale, right? So don't think of like, there's, well, there's a demarcation line where all of a sudden this is, this is the line where you don't care about correlation. anymore. Like this, the, that doesn't exist, right? You just use these labels to make it easier to explain things to people. Ah. <sighs> Edward Brown, does the brain trust that DraftKings ever talk about a way to minimize duplication and showdown contests? Well, I think that's the reason why they added the captain multiplier. I think there's way more duplicates in, in FanDuel showdown product than on DraftKings. Uh, I think they're fine with it. And to be fair, uh, the, more dupli- the more duplication, like DraftKings uh, showdown contests, NFL showdown, has the biggest edge of all DFS, all of all of DFS, okay? I, I would not want, as a player, as a, as, a, as a sharp player, I would not want DraftKings to change anything about their showdowns, anything. Would it be a better game for everyone if uh, there was less dupes? but it would nearly have the, the, the edge that it would have because of it. So if you're a sharp player, you, you want showdown, NFL showdown the way it is currently. It's, it has the largest edge in all of DFS, any sport, any format, okay? I think NFL showdown comes number one. I think after that is uh, like MMA, PGA, maybe not PGA showdown, PGA Showdown only in, in small field events. Uh, League of Legends, although I don't think that many casual players play League of Legends, at least not anymore. But NFL Showdown is the perfect because there's so much duplication and so much casual, bad players, bad lineups in those contests that the edge is, is enormous. Now, realizing that edge is hard as hell, right? But the edge is there. So you, you truthfully, drafting should make it so that there's less dupes, right? That there's now a, there's a 1.5x multiplier spot and a 1.25x captain multiplier spot, something like that. But also that increases the, the complexity of the game and 
they want to make it as as simple of a game for for casual players as possible, right? Which which I agree with. So yeah, there there are probably ways they could they could uh, uh, add a, another flex spot or something like they could do something, but anything they do is just going to make it a little bit harder for casual players to play, even though it would be in their advantage because they'd be duplicated less. Duplication in showdown is your friend, not because you're going to be making the lineups that are duplicated. It's because your opponents are going to be making the lineups that are duplicated. Remember, let's get back to the example from before. When I asked, in which format does the highest mean projected lineup typically have the higher expected value comparatively in the featured large field GPP for that format on DraftKings? This question has nothing to do with thinking about this specifically, classic tier showdown. It's about thinking about games in general. We have NFL showdown where bad players, tons of bad players, try to play the best plays and get duplicated 400 times. Some slates, thousands of times. Where they're going in, going, okay, I'm going to play this, 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 and this. I have like zero on the table. I have a, this, this, this looks good. This, this tells a story. It makes sense. It has all the best plays. And you go, you download the CSV. It's duplicated 1,700 times. Like essentially that lineup can never be prop. That's, that's a net, that's, that's a horrible lineup. It actually has the most likelihood, ch likely chance of coming in first place, but it'll be tied 1,700 ways. And here, here's, here's your 900 bucks, right? Here's, I mean, like the expected value just goes completely out the door because of this duplication. So those lineups are awful. They, they're, they're the nut worst lineups to play from a long-term ROI perspective. Maybe the only lineups that are worse than that are playing like all the practice squad players and injured players, right? That are barely ever going to see the field because th 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 those lineups are probably even deader than that. But that's almost common sense. Like don't play injured players. But tons of people still don't think of duplication at all. And they go, I just, I'm just going to build the best lineup. You can take advantage of that by playing lineups that are less duplicated, right? They're significantly less duplicated. They're unique. They're less probable, but when they, but they'll, they'll win first place more often. And when they, uh, more often than the, than they're being rostered. And when they do, it's, it's $500,000, right? It's NFL showdown, a million dollars. We we see like, so it's even more top heavy than any other type of showdown in any other sport. So duplication hurts you even more. So you want to get as many uniques. If you can play 150 uniques, at least playing a projected lineup, a lineup with guys that are at least projected, like you have an immense advantage, immense over like half the field. Download the CSVs and take a look. The main reason I invest money in the showdown, the main, main reason I did for MMA also, because you see that in MMA. Not as much as NFL showdown, but you do see that in MMA. Where people are just, and there's a lot of ones, ones, you know, just single bullets, people playing just because it's very casual. That's why they make the game like that. And they, they may be fine by, oh, I'm going to play 10 bucks and I'm going to, oh, I got first place, split it 1,400 ways for $972. And they're like, oh, I won. It's like, well, that's not going to happen often enough. Like you spend 10 bucks to win 972. That, would, that, was the, that was the highest possible return for your lineup. My lineup that is unique, that may be 12 points lower projected than yours, uh, has a shot at a million dollars, right? That's, that's, that's in, in the range of outcomes for my lineup. Your, your range of outcomes for your lineup is $972 to zero. Mine is a million to zero. How more often is your lineup going to come in to make up for the fact that I get paid a hundred times more when I win than when you win? It's not, it's not. So NFL showdown, you want the duplication. You want everyone to duplicate. And it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that you have to play all unique lineups. Just let more unique lineups, right? I don't mind when, when $500,000 the first, I've duplicated under five times. Okay. 
That's I'm aiming for that. I know I know I'm not I'm not gonna be able to get 150 weeks. I know I know a lot of times I don't I a lot of times I play 150 and I only get 30 weeks. And the other 120, I'm hoping, are going to be less than, than five. Some may be less than 10. And then if I make some mistakes, maybe I do have 20 or 30 lineups that are duplicated 70 or 80 times. And I know that it's mis- and Once I see it, the game didn't even start. And I'm looking, okay, those lineups suck. Doesn't matter if those lineups win. It's 70-way tie and I make money on that slate or something. But that's not long-term profitable. So in NFL showdown, I judge my play before the game starts. Right, the game locks. I go in, I download the CSV, I take a look at the uniques. And I go, oh, okay. I didn't get, I didn't get nowhere near as unique as, as I thought I was getting. I have too many duplicated lineups. I have a lot of lineups that are due 25, 30 times. And I'm like, that, that just isn't enough. Right. I could have gotten, and then I take a look at other players' uniques and I go, yeah, I could have made weirder lineups like this. I could have done that. Like, the game hasn't even started. And that's where I'm judging whether or not I played well. At the end of the day, if a, if a chalk lineup that's 1,400 ways wins first place, it's like no one could be profitable there. Those slates, if they played out a million times, everyone would lose money. So I don't care if I, have, if I mistakenly have that lineup and I make money on that one slate, I know that it's still negative EV. I, know, I screwed up. It doesn't matter. That's why when I see sometimes on Twitter, people posting, oh, I won first place with 178 of my friends. Like all you're doing is broadcasting your stupidity, right? You're that you're broadcasting a mistake that you made, which is fine. They're, they're players make mistakes all the time. You're building a, a hundred, 150 lineups. You're not going to get them all perfect, right? So sometimes, yes. Sometimes it's like, oh, damn, <laughs> I have a line. I'm part of that 178 train by accident. Right, but the key phrase is that, like, that's by accident. I happen to win and get you know, eighteen hundred bucks or something. Like, that's not something that, that 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 was not my intention, right? I lucked out by at least getting a return on the slate. When really, over time, I'm going to lose money. Okay. DJA Dog 3K, going to put my main focus in showdown and turbo slates this year. Less choices, I have the better, also easier to find leverage. I guess true. Showdown, it's more about more about duplication than anything. Robbie uh, is asking about my interview with uh, JM. JM, yeah, I'm, JM to win is going to be on my podcast, the Area DFS podcast, which you could uh, subscribe to on iTunes. It's not going to be live. We're gonna rec- we're, we're gonna record in a little bit and typically be released once it's over. Typically, it's like a ninety minute, ninety ish minute. So I'll be cut. That'll come out later today. Jeremy Williams, how do I think outside the box? What's the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? Right, that's a seven reference. We're not gonna find out what's in the box. I don't know. How do I think outside the box? I think the best way to think outside the box is to go and get the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports. It's a 15-hour audio DFS masterclass that you could find at theoryofdfs.com. I teach you how to think like a professional DFS player. All the concepts I talk about on the pregame show, this is the reference. This is the reference guide, right? You don't want to go back and watch 300 hours of, of pregame shows to get bits and pieces. Just get the theory of daily fantasy sports. Most, not most 95, 99% of people that play DFS play a game, think they're playing this game when in fact they're playing this other game. And the, the top 1% of players, they're playing that game. What is that game? Right? It's not a game of picking players. It's not, it's not, it's not a game of who, who knows the most about sports. There's a, there's a game that's more similar to poker, more similar to backgammon, more similar to Magic the Gathering more similar to that than it is to like, oh, I'm in my season long fantasy league. And, uh, you know, I draft a couple of players type of thing. It's, 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 it's much, it's much more mathematical, but you don't need, you don't need the discourse doesn't have like fancy formulas or anything. You could have fancy formulas. As long as you're directionally correct with the concepts, you're, you're more than likely not to, to, to profit, to profit from it. You're playing a game. 
Some people don't consider that fun though. They go, oh, I listen to your course. You take all the fun out of it. They go, well, it depends on what you consider fun, right? If you want to play for fun and this is entertainment and it's like, I don't mind throwing 10 bucks, five bucks into the millimaker, then don't let you, why are you even listening to me? Play whichever way you want. I don't care. It doesn't matter. Do whatever you want. But if, you, if you're looking to play seriously for a profit, even if it's just beer money, even if it just means, can I have a little bit more of a shot at winning the millimeter, right? Doesn't mean you're, you are, no. A little bit more of a shot. How do I lose my money slower? <laughs> even that. How do, I, how do I end the football season possibly with a, with a, a little extra money? Or maybe, I, I've been playing NFL DFS for seven years and I've never come close to a first place finish in a, in a GPP. Well, this should help you come closer. If that's your goal, right? But if your goal is to like, um, I just want to be able to just wake up and have fun, then just wake up and have fun. It's perfectly fine. It's perfectly fine. Some people, I find the process of playing the game of DFS to be fun. That's what I consider to be fun. Right? Some people are like, no, I just want to pick some players and watch some TV. Like, no, that, that's, the le- that's the least fun part. Once lock hits, all the fun's over. Right? That's to me that that's what that's how I think. Like once once lock hits, obviously there's late swap. Obviously, you know a lot of people don't utilize that. Let's just say it's a you know showdown slate. All you're doing once the slate locks, all you're doing is watching the the slot machine have the the, the reels move. A lot of people don't realize the slot machine is all controlled by computer computer chips, and the result of your slot uh, machine pull is already decided randomly. Like at this moment that you press the button, even though it's going to do this and it's spin this and spin that and it's oh the cherry stops and it's hanging, you know, that type of thing. And then there's this bonus game and Jen patch say Jack with the wheel of fortune wheel is going ring, ring, ring. There's some animal coming out. Some mammoth is yelling at you, whatever those games are, right? The slot machines, like that entire sequence is just a code as part of a, res- a random result or whatever. Obviously it's all programmed for a certain hold. You know, the 94%, 92%, whatever. Uh, like it's already decided, like all it, all it's doing is playing out in front of you. And it's doing that for your entertainment, right? How entertaining would a slot machine be if there were no reels, no nothing? And it's just like, here's a random number generator, press the button, $2, zero, 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 $5. Like that's, that's really what a slot machine is. But no one would play that because it's, well, I'm not even, I'm not getting my money's worth. But that, that's what a DFS slate is. Once, once, once you cannot make any more decisions, like, is there a point? Watching the games serves, serves really nothing to you. All it's there is just to show you, oh, we're watching the slot. The, the reels go out, right? Oh, the game, the game locks. And it's like Dak Prescott throws to CeeDee Lamb for seven yards. It's like, oh, okay, I got 1.7 points. It's like, well, I could just wake up at the end. Like, it's a... Who cares what the order of the plays are? Who cares all of this? It doesn't matter. For, for DFS purposes, it doesn't matter. You can't do anything about it. You could just, you could turn off everything and just wait till the end and go, what happened? Oh, that's what happened. Did I win? Right? You can do that. So that's why, why to me, the, 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 the actual sweating of the games is, that's not the fun part. That's the, okay. What else is there to do? And the what? I mean, the, I'm not doing anything else, so I might as well watch, right? Something, right? And you did did tweeting about it, making jokes in the Discord, right? Stuff like that. That's entertaining, I guess. But that's not the fun part of DFS. The fun part of DFS is coming up with your lineups, coming up with your strategies, trying to outwit your opponents. Once the game starts, what it was, there's nothing to do. That's why a lot of sharp players, the game star, and they're working on the next, and they're working on the next, their afternoon slate. They're working on their, their MLB lineups for later that night or whatever. They're playing other stuff, right? Because what watching the games ain't going to do anything. That ain't going to change. Your lineups aren't going to change because of it. Uh, Bobby Gunn, I feel like most people use late swaps solely for situations like where a player gets hurt at scratch. Could you give some examples of other times you would use late swap? I would use late swap every single slate. Your lower, your lineups that aren't performing well, you should be switching off the chalk in those lineups because you need to uh, increase the leverage to, to make up ground. 
Yeah, you're not going to win first place with those lineups, but maybe you can min-cash. So let's say uh, McCaffrey's 30% owned in the late. I mean, I'm just making up a slight example. And Derrick Henry is going to be 5% owned. And your lineup is a dud. Yeah, yeah, someone got injured in that lineup or whatever. You have a three-point wide receiver. You know, This lineup ain't going to win. But you have Christian McCaffrey at 40% owned in that lineup, which means that 40% of the field also will get those points as well. So the only way, realistically, that lineup is going to be able to min-cash is if you fade McCaffrey in that lineup and play a lower-owned player and hope McCaffrey, hope the player that you're playing, you know, Henry significantly outperforms Christian McCaffrey at eight times less ownership or whatever it would be. That would be a reason to late swap, right? Get, make those bad lineups better by removing chalky players. And then you could do the opposite for lineups that are doing very well. I mean, we, we have an example from what, two years ago. I was on with the head chopper. First sweat show, that week one, when he won the Millie on, on FanDuel. He said, like he said, after when, when we went on, he was in first place. He was in first place with uh, with uh, one slot to go. And on that slate, Chris Godwin was chalky. And he had Kenny Galladay there. He had a pivot from Chris Godwin. And I think Galladay was like 8% owned and Godwin was going to be like 28% owned. But he was already, his lineup was, was amazing the, in the 1 p.m. games. So he, he looks and he goes, well, Galladay and Godwin, are, they were like 100 apart from each other. Galladay, I think, was 100 more than Godwin. So chop, you know what he did? He said, well, now I want, now I want the chalky player. Now I want the, the, the better projected player, right? So he swaps from Galladay to Godwin to block other people because he looks below him and he sees a lineup in fifth place, a lineup in 10th place, a lineup in 12th place. And they all have Godwin. He's sitting up in first with Galladay. Now, obviously if Galladay outperforms Godwin, it doesn't matter. But if he just plays Godwin in that spot, all these other lineups that only have one spot left can't possibly win first place. He has now eliminated. He has now improved his shot. And he's now increased his equity in the contest because if those guys don't switch, now the guys underneath should be switching to Godwin, knowing that that chop would switch to switch to Godwin. That's, that's, that's kind of third level thinking. That doesn't happen that often in in DFS. You're likely not going to have to think to that level because people aren't that observant in general. But that would be a reason to late swap. This is, none of this has to do with injuries. None of this has to do with anything. How could you now have more information? How could you now improve your chances of winning first? Improve the equity in the contest? How, how can you improve uh, your return on that day? So that includes the bottom and the top end. You may have some lineups in the middle that are like, like okay, maybe you, you may have a lineup in 142nd place and be like, well, I it's, it's a long shot for me to come in first, but I have these two guys in my lineup and they're both chalky. Like if I, if I leave them in my lineup, knowing that like there's like 70 other lineups that also have these two players above you, if I leave them in my lineup, I can probably secure a 5X return on this lineup, a 7X return. Am I happy with that? If you're happy with that, leave the chalk guys in and just, okay. You know, you, you, you basically blocked yourself out from, from first or even top 10 or even top 20. But if you're like, okay, I'm going to increase now my, I'm gonna, I have some risk tolerance. I can replace these two players with these two players that are significantly lower owned. Now, if the chalk hits, this lineup goes from 142nd to possibly Maybe not even a min cash. Maybe not even a min cash. But if the chalk fails and these two guys do good, maybe I could go from 142nd to winning first place. Maybe you can. So you have to decide which which avenue you're going to do. Which which direction are you going to choose? Are you going to lock in uh, a decent return, or are you going to shoot for first? None of the not what I'm just saying has anything to do with this, if a player's injured or inactives or anything. You have more information. You have standings. You have lineups. You have 
download the CC. You could see everyone's lineups other than the, the spots that are yet to play. <clears throat> you have, you know what happened in the, in the early games. So now, if now that you have this information, what, what, what would the best choice be? Make it. 99% of people don't use late swap. The sharp players, the 1% do, and that's what they're doing. Reevaluating the new information and making their lineups better with this new information. And that's what you, sh that's what you should be doing. But these are the types of things that I'm going to be talking about on the pregame show for NFL strategy show. Tomorrow, we'll take a look at some of the projections and stuff. I mean, uh, they're putting together some of the ownership. I mean, it's, it's, it's all gutted by YouTube also. So if you have anything that you want to talk about, just type it in the YouTube chat. I'm, I'm here all week. This, this is what I do. This is what I do. And then uh, I'll be on the, the Friday Advanced Analytics show. That's with uh, Stuart Gibson and Brandon Adams. We're talking some advanced like correlation and stacking concepts uh, on those shows. You know, games to stack, teams to stack, how they fit together in a lineup. Uh, I'll be on Mondays and Thursday nights for the showdown. Mondays with Will, Chief Justice. Thursdays with STL Cards, Justin Van Druden. And that's like a, a before lock show for those showdowns. So talking about showdown strategy for those. And uh, and then the, the pregame show that I'm, that I'm here. I get Sundays off. I may be the only one at Roto-Grinders that gets Sundays off. That's that's great. I think so. I think maybe Stevie does. I think Stevie gets Sunday off also. Well, Sunday's not really off. I'm playing, you know, I'm waking up early. I'm listening. I'm listening to the, the early, the, the morning shows for, for Roto-Grinders. You could get, you could get on YouTube. You could get the Roto-Grinders app and listen to the audio. So I'm still listening. I'm still making my lineups. I'm still watching football, right? So it's not, not like I have off, but I don't got to do any content. Don't got to do any shows. So, but, but during the week, um, I'm here all week. Cause that's what I do here. Hit the thumbs up button on your way out the door. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live later today at the MLB grinders live and premium crunch time later for the, for the MLB people. But uh, I'll see you tomorrow as I always do Monday through Fridays at 11 o'clock Eastern for the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com.